As promised, talking law in the studio now, Anthony D. Hammond Legal. Good afternoon to you, Anthony. Nice Good to see Anthony. you. Thank you. This particular High Court ruling that's just been passed down. Yes. Can, oh, it's a very fine line here, isn't it? Yeah, so some of your viewers, uh, listeners might be, remember the Dylan Voller um, case. Dylan Voller was the um, the juvenile who was held in detention in Northern Territory and right. was mistreated. Um Dylan subsequently commenced essentially defamation proceedings against uh, Channel 9, particularly the Channel 9 newspapers, um, relying on defamatory comments that Facebook users has posted on posts by the Channel 9 newspapers that and they posted asked on Facebook. for comments or they unsolicited got comments? So, like, would Facebook, Channel 9 would post a link to their article on the Dylan Voller case and then underneath that Facebook users could post comments. That's true. They whatever they want about they traditionally about the story. Um, some of those comments by Facebook users were defamatory, arguably defamatory against That's Dylan. very common. Instead of the typical process would usually be for Dylan to initiate defamation proceedings against the individual commenters. But if you think about the logistics for that, it, it's simply unworkable. Um, so what yeah. Dylan instead did was commence defamation proceedings against the Channel 9 newspapers. Because they allowed comments to go on to their That site. was the argument. So the argument that Dylan Voller's lawyers used was that as Channel 9 newspapers published a story on their Facebook page, then they are considered the publishers of the defamatory comments and they're liable for those defamatory comments. In the first instance, Diller's argument was successful in the New South Wales court and then the Court of Appeal. So Channel 9 newspapers took it to the High Court. Uh, The decision that came down yesterday uh, was that the rulings in New South Wales were correct. Channel 9 newspapers... Would um, are considered publishers of the Facebook comments, uh, and they can be held liable for defamatory comments made to their Facebook mm. post. Keeping in mind that it's all very tabloid, mm-hmm. newspapers, media, a lot of media outlets, and they rely on controversial comments sometimes within their papers, but now, of course, with an open field for the public to say whatever they like and mm-hmm. feel they're going to get away with it, I, I can see why it's happened, and it seems to me that it's going to change a lot of things. It will, likely, yeah. because... I can I can see publishers or, or news, news newspapers using the defence that these comments weren't posted by us; they were posted by Facebook. That was users. their argument, but but the position that the court of it, the court held yeah, was it. that when Channel Nine newspapers published a story about Dylan Voller on Facebook. They facilitated and encouraged users to yeah. comment about it. Mm. Therefore, once those once those users posted comments that are arguably defamatory, the newspaper who published the original post could be considered to be a publisher mm-hmm. and therefore liable for any comments made to the post. So, when you I know this is a little different, but if you look at Talkback Radio, mm-hmm. not here at Curtin because we don't in, divulge in that sort of thing or indulgent, I should say. But you've got Talkback Shock Jocks mainly over east. I think that still live off that sort of reputation of saying what they want about anybody. Um, there is a ten second dump button if you, as an announcer, think it's in, inappropriate to get rid of it. So, would the radio stations now be responsible, or have they always been responsible? 
under this decision, they arguably can now be held responsible. Gosh. So it, it, the same principle can apply. If you're putting essentially a story out there as a radio announcer and you're inviting users to call in and give a comment to that, mm-hmm. because you facilitated and yeah. encouraged the discussion, yep. you arguably can could be held liable for any defamatory comments made in response. Now, that makes a lot of sense. I tell you what, it's going to change a lot of people's style of uh, presentation, I think. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what the ripple effect is going to be to these organisations. Well, Facebook has already come out. Um, and, and introduced a feature to... This feature wasn't available originally when Channel 9 posted the stories about Dylan Voller, but now any any person on Facebook, when they're posting a story to their Facebook page or timeline, they can turn off comments. So it stops people commenting about a certain news article, which can limit... De- yeah. def- so comments. they they won't encourage comments. They won't have a comment section. Yes, Th- they just have to learn now, especially if it's such a controversial subject, right? But so if it's about gardening, you wouldn't think it would be that controversial. So you may invite comment. Yeah, perhaps you know what's this plant about? That sort of thing. So the test is: yeah. does the post facilitate and encourage comments yeah. on that specific topics? So let's just say, uh, Channel Nine posts a news article on gardening. And someone in the comments posted a fe- uh, arguably a defamatory comment about something completely unrelated. Um, arguably, Channel 9 would not be held liable for that comment gotcha. because they haven't facilitated a discussion yeah. regarding that provoked the defamatory comment. That is a very interesting landmark decision, isn't it? Um, a lot of people, I think, in boardrooms are going to be starting to think very carefully about this. I think the word that I heard was that just around the legal streets was that Channel 9 were quite confident in getting up in the appeal. So the fact that the High Court rejected their argument, it it does change the landscape of the defamation law and how corporations now need to proceed. Okay, um, what is the penalty to the people that are liable? Is it a monetary uh, compensation claim to the victim? When it comes to um, defamation, it's always monetary. So they look at what damage has happened to a person's reputation yeah. has that um damage to reputation caused them further financial loss say through loss of employment um and it, it can all add up from there so the person who has been violated would have to gauge all this information to it for a lawyer to ascertain that they have been deprived so the first test is was there a defamatory comment made yeah when you st- um and we, we at Hammond Legal do to defamation and we do have people come in and say, oh, this person defamed me on social media. Just because a, def- a defamatory con was made doesn't always make it commercially viable to yeah. proceed with legal proceedings because you have to look at what actual financial loss have you incurred or reputational loss have you incurred. And you also do have to look at what basis does a person who made the comment have to actually pay you when you look at uh, current affair programs their door knocking (laughs) on businesses because they've had unhappy clients or whatever um they if it's does it have to be proven they have done the wrong thing or not done the wrong thing to either win or lose because the businesses would really suffer look at restaurant reviews Mm mm-hmm With reviews, the difficulty is that if someone is giving an opinion that the food that they were served was not good, then that's an opinion. And an opinion 
isn't always can be construed to be defamatory. But it can hurt the hurt It the can business. hurt the business, but it's your opinion about the quality of the food. And that opinion may be correct. If you were served a parmigiana and it was undercooked, yeah. and you posted a review that my parmigiana was undercooked, that's your opinion. It, it can also be construed... It's also a fact. If the parmigiana was undercooked, yeah. that's a fact. You'd have to prove it. You'd have to take a photograph of it, which everyone does anyway. Wow, this is really going to change a lot. And I think I don't think it's going to stop there. You know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, Facebook's full of uh, awful derogatory mm-hmm. remarks about people. You know, there's a case at the moment. I know we're getting off the, best, off the track a little bit here. But the wife of the footballer that was seen snorting white powder off a plate. I mean, she has lost so much income. She has. That's just one. That's not defamatory because that's an actual video. It's a fact. It is a fact. Where the difference between that incident in the video that surfaced and the defamatory comment is that the defamatory comment is supposed to be not true. So you've had your reputation damaged and possibly financial harm caused to you by a remark which is untrue. Mm. And so that's the difference between the... defamation okay and say comments or videos that surface about you doing something which is a fact okay if somebody was to comment about you know the posing girls men that go on facebook all the time because they go out and say i'll show you your business on facebook if you give me a free meal and that sort of thing so it's an opinion if somebody comments about the way they're behaving is that not is that a problem or not a problem if it's derogatory like you know for god's sake you know you look horrible it starts to become a fine line there so let's just say you comment that a restaurant owner was swearing and being abusive, if that actually happened, then that's fact. If the restaurant owner wants to dispute that that happened, okay. then it can be, it, it may be defamatory. I can see a lot of people going to court. <laughs> a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, that's what social media has opened up, hasn't it? It really, it it really has. is quite incredible.